Welcome to Coffee with Kojo, a podcast produced by the School of Communication and Journalism at South Dakota State University. My name is Rocky Daly, and I'm an associate professor in the school. Our first episode of the new year features a conversation with Assistant Professor Marina Hendricks. Dr. Hendricks has been part of the Kojo faculty since 2017, starting as an instructor and moving up to assistant professor. I spoke with Dr. Hendricks about her life and experience. So you're a West Virginia native. What part of West Virginia did you uh, grow up? I am from Charleston, West Virginia. Charleston is the state capital, and it's more or less in the lower central part of the state, um, more toward the south, but not really southern, um, like the coal fields, mm-hmm. um, which um, border Kentucky and um, Virginia. Okay. Did you grow up um, there your whole childhood or did you move around? Yes. I was, I was born in Charleston and did not leave until um, my 40th birthday year. Oh, wow. So, but, but so aside from education, college and stuff, you stayed there? Yes. And I stayed in West Virginia for college and went to Marshall University, which is about um, 45 minutes to a half an hour, depending on how fast you drive Sure. from Charleston um, on Interstate 64. So it's like driving from Brookings to Sioux Falls, basically. Sure. And um, so I, yeah, I stayed there. Um, Marshall reminds me a lot of SDSU in some respects. It's a smaller state university. Um, Journalism program was strong like ours. And I had no intention of going into journalism, um, even though I'm a third generation journalist in my family but I kind of rebelled against that early on and came out of high school thinking I was going to be a psychologist and here's the the really funny part about that is I decided about after a year or so of college I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to stay in school that long and get a PhD (laughs) (laughs) yeah so talk about hindsight that that can be um, that can be intimidating as an undergrad because that I mean yeah you spent four years of high school four years of college and that's you know that's half your life really right that point, more or less master's degree then a, yeah. a PhD so um, and I I didn't start out at Marshall I went to the University of Charleston which is a small private university in my hometown um, it once was known as Morris Harvey College, and it was founded, I think, as a Methodist college. Um, but it's got a beautiful campus. It's right on the river. Um, Charleston is a river city um, located in a valley between lots of hills. And I, my sister had gone to what was then called Morris Harvey um, so I was familiar with campus. I mean, if you live in Charleston, you spend a lot go there a lot because they have community events and it's, um, I went over there for piano lessons. Um, So I was familiar with campus and because I wasn't really sure exactly what I was going to do, my mother was like, well, why don't you start out there Mm -hmm. and we'll see Mm -hmm. what happens. Um, And 
so about a year and a half into that, that's when we went and looked at Marshall and my mother kind of nudged me and said, why don't you look at the journalism program? Hmm. And I was like, okay, so I did and ended up in the, as in the broadcasting sequence. So I was a broadcast journalism major, but I took a lot of print classes. Sure. Um, just because I didn't, I, you know, still couldn't make up my mind. What do I, what did I want to do? Mm-hmm. I was really attracted to the production side of broadcasting. I didn't oh, wow. want to be on the, on the air as much. Um, although I liked reporting, mm-hmm. um, the movie broadcast news came out around that time. And I wanted to be Holly Hunter. Uh, <laughs> I wanted, even though she was a basket case, I really loved what she did. Um, but at the same time, um, because of my family's newspaper background, I was attracted to that and I'd like to write. And so that's, that's why, you know, kind of straddled both sides of the fence. Sure, sure. And, and as it so happened, the, the job opportunity that came up right after I graduated um, was for an advertising and public relations agency. So I got to do everything. Nice. And I spent about two years there and at some point was contacted by an editor from one of Charleston's two papers because I grew up in a two newspaper town. Mm-hmm. And she said, I came across your resume um, and I happened to run into your boss at a party not too long ago. So I knew where to find you. And I was just wondering, we've got an opening. Would you, do you still have an interest in working here and I'm like yeah dream work from my hometown paper yeah so um that's how I got into the newspaper as I was hired um for what they were what was then a new department they were creating a zoned editions um um, department called the metro department and we were Mm -hmm. going to do community news editions for different parts of our um major circulation in the area um and they were weeklies Mm -hmm. so i was hired to do that but then about a year into it um i got word that they were the manager management had gotten the results of this readership study that indicated our readership for both papers was trending downward in terms of young people. So they were really alarmed by that. And it was like, how could, what can we do? Well, let's think about starting a teen section. Hmm. And I was like, that would be so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I lobbied to be named editor of that new teen program. And I was, and I launched it and ran it. And that's, that is, um, I think the catalyst to mm-hmm. what I do now is um, working with students. Right. Um, I ran Flipside, as it was called, and still it still exists um, for um, 14 out of the 15 years that I worked um, at my hometown newspapers, and then ended up in a job in the D.C. area where um, part of what I did was um, related to youth readership and youth journalism programs. And it was because of my work with Flipside. So the DC move was the first time you kind of left? Yes. So was that that by design um, or was that just by circumstance that you happened to go to school and stay there? Um, It was, 
just kind of by circumstance. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed working on Flipside uh-huh. and might have been content to stay there. But a, a couple of things happened um, in the, I'd say about the two to two and a half year period before I left West Virginia. Um, one very seriously was the loss of my fiance to colorectal cancer. He was um, a longtime editor and sports writer for the other paper. Okay. We worked, we were competition, but um, the way the newspapers operated in West Virginia, they were under a joint operating agreement. So they shared business departments, mm-hmm. but the um, editorial departments were separate and competing. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, we were not the only couple to cross the newsrooms. <laughs> um, and he, like I had, grew up in the area and wanted to be um, a reporter. And he did that. Um, he was, I think, the West Virginia High School Journalist of the Year when he was in high school because he did okay. write for his high school paper. I did mm-hmm. not. Um, and he ended up, um, covering Marshall University sports and West Virginia University sports, um, and then ended up on the management side for a while as city editor. And he had recently moved back to the sports department to be the columnist because he's an outstanding writer and had won awards throughout his career. Um, that was like in February. And then in March, we learned that he had stage four colorectal cancer yeah. and he um, went through an aggressive treatment and was doing well. Um, but a complication set in and he died within four months. Yeah. And so that was one thing. And then uh-huh. around the same time, um, the ownership of one of the papers chained, uh, changed and it was, both of them had been locally owned. Um, but the afternoon paper was, um, at, at one point, um, sold to a chain and the chain sold it. And then it went up for sale again. And the morning paper, which is what I worked for, bought it out. But it became very obvious that the plan there was to merge the two. Mm-hmm. And I was getting concerned about some management decisions that were being made and um, some things that were being done to people who had long careers um, mm-hmm. in history with, with them in the building. So when I heard about this opening in the DC area, um, I thought, what the heck, I'll apply for it. And I got the job. So I moved to DC and, you know, DC, six hours from my hometown. So I was able to get home quite a bit when I lived in, in the area, in the DC area and, um, liked it a lot. Um, Although there were things I hate, I hated the traffic. The cost of living was astronomical. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's, you know, you, it w- it could take you 45 minutes to go five hours or five miles. Um, but um, 
I had started dating someone who, um, before I, right before I left West Virginia, um, who was working for the paper with me. And he left around the same time I did. And he went um, to a newspaper in Sarasota, Florida. And I went to DC. And I think that was kind of the, the test for us is, sure. are we, you know, are we, is this going to fizz out? Or are we going to be a couple? Well, as it turned out, um, we managed to make it work. And he moved to DC um, within a year after I did, or less than a little bit less than a year actually, and a year or two later we got married. So, mm. um, so we stayed there for eight years, and I I got my master's degree from Kent State University in Ohio through an online program. Right, I was the first graduate of that online program, mm. and by the time I was done with that, I was thinking, well, maybe. I'll get a PhD. Maybe it's time for a, a career change. And I realized that I had missed working with students. Mm -hmm. So um, I applied for the PhD program at the Missouri School of Journalism. My husband is an alum of Mizzou. Um, he got his master's there. And he's from the St. Louis area. Okay. So I thought, well, I'll see if I can get in um, to Mizzou. And if I hadn't gotten in there, that would have been fine. With I might have um, looked at Maryland and tried to keep working while sure. while I was getting a PhD. There were American University had something, as I recall. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, I'll, there I had a plan B and a plan C. But I got in Mizzou and we moved to Columbia for four years. And at the time that I was finishing up. Um, I heard about a one-year job contract um, available um, at SDSU and what was then the Department of Journalism and Mass Communication. So I applied mm -hmm. for that and came came here. And then luckily, um, a tenure track opening became available and I applied for that and here I am. And here you are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what was it like? You know, I you're talking about, you know, your parents are newspaper people. What was it like to grow up in a house with both parents being journalists? Yeah. Well, um, the, it actually starts with my grandfather. Oh, um, okay. My mother's father who, um, although he was, um, he and my grandmother did not stay married for very long. Um, which is the whole story I won't go into. Mm -hmm. Um, he, did different things, but he, he was a reporter and he worked for both Charleston papers, I, I believe, um, at different points. Um, but he, then he left the area and went, um, he was from Indiana and he went back to Indiana. Um, he also enlisted in World War II at, at, in his mid forties, which um, they didn't, wow. um, they didn't take men his age, but he became a CB um, and okay. went over to Japan. Okay. And so he was, um, I think probably um, not a traditional family man, which is, explains why um, he didn't, he and my grandmother sure. didn't stay married very long. <laughs> but um, he um, did keep in touch with my mother and she ended up going to Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. 
um, with a cousin from that side of the family. And she was encouraged to um, explore her writing talent by um, a couple of priests on the faculty um, who my oldest brother is named for. Um, mm -hmm. But she and my the Korean War was going on and my, my father was from Wisconsin and um, they met on a blind date. Um, a friend of his fixed them up um, while, while mom was at Marquette and dad was in the army. So um, they got married um, and um, he had his orders to go, but the, um, the war ended before he actually had to go overseas, but he was, he was preparing to leave. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but they ended up back in West Virginia and dad went into the business side of things. He worked, he sold radio. He sold, he worked for one of the papers on the advertising staff. And then he went to work for a company that, um, had two operations. One was direct mail. We were not allowed to say the words junk mail in our house. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other thing that um, the company had was an advertising agency. So, um, okay. so he did that side of things. And mom was a freelance writer and publicist. So she frequently contributed pieces to the papers um, and then did PR for um, lots of different clients off and on for years, my whole, pretty much my whole lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, she also was a musician and she played in what was then called the Charleston Symphony Orchestra oh, wow. for, um, until my grandmother got sick. So what did she, she play? Was her, she was second violin. Okay. I have and, a violinist, I have a violinist yeah. and a viola in my immediate children family. Yeah. <laughs> Well, sadly, to, much to my mother's chagrin, uh, not one of her five children became a musician. <laughs> she tried, my, particularly with my um, baby brother and me, because we're the youngest. Um, I had piano lessons, and um, my little brother was in the marching band and played trumpet like she did. But no, we all love music, and we appreciate it. You know, and that's that's mm -hmm. that that's kind of what I was honing in on, because, you know, it's kind of like... I. A, real, a good friend of mine in Montana was a youth pastor and his parents were pastors and his grandparents were and he same thing when he was a kid's like never in a million years will I ever go into the clergy and yet it happened so you come from a long line of journalists and you had a brief moment of rebellion if you want to call it that although it's pretty constructive yet you mm -hmm. come back to it so I just thought that right. was kind of an interesting thing um, so you were the first graduate of the online program at Kent, Kent is that correct yeah the journal yeah journalism education masters so, so what was program. online education like when you were in that program being the first graduate that means obviously you were one of the first enrolled in a new program yeah um yeah I was definitely the guinea pig for a lot of things <laughs> um we used blackboard as the learning management right which is similar system. to d2l that we have Right. Yeah. Um, and there were, you know, there were glitches. Um, one thing I remember in particular was um, the research class, um, which I had trouble with because I am one of those stereotypical journalists uh, in that um, math is hard for me. <laughs> um, yeah. But I'm, it's not that I'm bad at it. It just takes me longer to figure things out. Right. Um, 
um, I can do the, the basics. And in fact, when I transferred into Marshall, um, the professor I was talking to was astounded that I had had a, a pretty advanced um, math course at University of Charleston was college algebra something something and he was like mm. most of our Mars students take basic math and that's it it was like this <laughs> is great you won't have to take anything else here um but I had I remember having trouble with timed tests in that and the instructor was kind enough to give me a second shot at one of those because I just you know it was so it was an open book thing too and I was just you know, trying to mm -hmm double and triple check my math and it was it just took me forever <laughs> um another thing that we had trouble with chats um because sure. they would try to bring classes together once a week or like usually like on a sunday night and they were just we never did find a platform that worked well um it would have been great to have zoom back then mm -hmm. um yeah these and these were all um these were not video chats these were just audio okay um, and then they also worked out the requirements for the master's project with me. Um, I wrote the first um, proposal and then report, which I, they, I think they used as a model for a while. And I certainly hope they're not still using it because <laughs> yeah, I look at it now and cringe. Um, and then, yeah, my, my, my project was the first one and I did a, um, a social media toolkit for high school journalism programs um, because back then Facebook and Twitter were the big things. So it was all about learning how to use social media responsibly and there were um, ethics and law lesson right. plans as well as social media related ones. And I created a WordPress website to put everything together um, it's still out there, but I don't think people, uh, it, that's moved on so far from, um, I finished right. it in, 20, in the fall of 2011. So, I mean, it's been nine years. Sure. It's, yeah, a lot has changed in that time, yeah. um, especially over the last year. You know, you mentioned Zoom and how, I mean, I remember when SDSU first got Zoom a year before all this happened and they were really kind of pushing us to use it. And then not just us, but the whole world. Um, uh, maybe talk a little bit about, you know, just when we had to, when COVID became an issue here and we had to kind of think on our feet a little bit, you know, maybe what were some of the challenges or successes you had in the last year with doing a lot more stuff online? You know, obviously our grad program is all online and that was a fairly easy, um, it really wasn't a transition because we're already online, but, um, you know, you talked about working with students and I know one of the things I really missed last fall was just not seeing students in person. So, I mean, what, what were some of the things that you experienced? Yeah, I think in the spring, my immediate challenge was figuring out how the social media strategies class was going to work with clients. Because mm -hmm. we were just about to start the final project process and I had been talking with the clients about what their needs were and what they would like to get out of the process, things of that nature. And I was you know, thinking, okay, we're gonna come back from spring break and I'm going to assign the teams and we're gonna go on from there. 
And so I had to first decide, am I going to continue with that? Mm -hmm. And then the clients all indicated, yes, I will, if you want to do it, we'll stick with you. So um, the clients were the um, city of Brookings, mm. the Brookings Chamber of Commerce, um, Visit Brookings, Brookings Economic Development Corporation, and downtown Brookings. And they were wonderful um, and really saw it as part of their support of SDSU um, that all of their organizations historically have done. Mm -hmm. um, so they saw this as um, continuing that mission. And, you know, I, for our part, I told the students, okay, the, we're going to be helping these organizations and in some cases businesses survive this initial um, part of the pandemic because at that point we didn't know how long things were going to go on. Right. We were talking about things being shut down, um, the uh, economic cost of all of that. So like they, they need some help and we can give it to them. So that's, um, I, it went well. Um, some things went better than others, but there I had some really strong results from project work. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the organizations were pleased. And in fact, a couple of them came back and worked with my students in my fall classes, most notably Visit Brookings. Um, um, Emily Braun, who's the marketing and communication coordinator, um, sounded me out about my public relations writing class, working with Visit Brookings on the 2021 edition of the community and visitors guide okay. that visit brookings does every year and so what what happened was my students um, wrote feature stories for the guide but then also for the final project in the class created news releases social media content um, a media pitch and um, blog articles for Visit Brookings. So, and um, that was one thing I was doing is um, after finals week, as I was wrapping up my editing sure. of that, the final projects to turn it over to Visit Brookings. So I don't know exactly what um, they're gonna be doing with that content. I hope they'll, they'll be able to use it, but the visitor's guide itself, which is due out anytime now, mm -hmm. will have stories by Kojo's PR writing class. And I'm just really excited about that. And then again, my social media class in the fall worked with um, some other local clients like um, Project Joy, which makes um, it possible for children in Brookings County to have a Merry Christmas. Um, oh, I had, yeah. um, right. that, one, that one really surprised me because the coordinator my students were working with actually turned over the Facebook account to them, which wow. doesn't usually happen. And they were posting content nice. um, to help. Yes. And let's, what we did, um, um, Kojo was one of the clients. Kojo is always a client because right. I, I try to make sure that um, our school gets some, some things out of that. Um, 
then um, the collegian, um, mm -hmm. which is going through a, a transition right now um, in finding a new advisor. So we had a team working on some stuff for the collegian that I hope will continue to bear fruit. Yeah, um, it's always great when we can, and we do this a lot in the school, is they actually apply their skills somewhere where they'll be used. It's not mm -hmm. theoretical, it's, it's actually, and there's a lot of places out there that need the help. Yeah, and yeah, it's just with COVID, it's figuring out how can you do this when students can't go meet with yep. clients in person um, and often, well, in the, particularly in the spring and summer, um, they weren't actually able to go out to the businesses. Right. And so we had to work around that. Now in the fall, they had a little bit more leeway with that. And I told them, you do what you need to do based on the re regulations that are in place on campus and in the city of Brookings. But above all, if there's something you don't feel comfortable doing, don't do it. Right. I mean, there it's, I mean, half class half full. I mean, there's an opportunity to get creative if, you know, that just, that makes it sound better that it's an opportunity. It is a challenge, but it's definitely an opportunity. Um, to, uh, to kind of wrap up here, uh, is there anything, you know, obviously through your career and working with students, both at, you know, the high school press level and the college level, um, what would you have liked to known when you were in their shoes, you know, when you were thinking about going into communication and journalism, which has changed tremendously, um, even in our students' lifetime? Uh, what kind of advice would you have given yourself outside of not doing it at all, <laughs> running the other way? Yeah, I think if I had had a crystal ball and could have seen the internet coming, oh my. Um, I was at Marshall when the first Macintosh computers arrived. Uh. So we were seeing the first wave of, of the tech revolution right there. But I don't think any of us grasped the full impact of what that was going to be like. By the time I made it to the newspaper, my, you know, my first, first years at the newspaper, mm -hmm. there was a lot of talk about going from the old fashioned um, paste up design process by hand, literally, right. to doing it by computer uh, what they called pagination back in those days. And I resisted learning how to do the traditional design. I had done some in school, right? but I'm like, I'm not going to do anything because um, I know that we're going to be moving into something new pretty soon. And they, so they literally made me put my money where my mouth was because flip side which started out as a magazine or teen, or teen mm -hmm. section, was the first paginated prod, product um, at the Charleston newspapers. And <laughs> so we, we were the test and we used Quark Express. Yeah. Missed to this day, because it's so much easier to use than in design. <laughs> I know students won't believe that, but yes, it was. It was just so much more user friendly. <laughs> um, but I had to learn that. And that I kind of fell into and, but it's 
been something that has served me well my entire career is willingness to try and to learn new things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I didn't appreciate that <laughs> when I was 18 years old, 19 years old in college. But it's, I think the examples that were set for me by my parents and by mm -hmm. people I met along the way. And I the one person I remember in particular at the Charleston newspapers, when we were paginating is this guy named George. And he worked up in the, um, what they called the composition department, which is where they had um, all the workstations that were these, they looked like glorified artist easels. Mm -hmm. They were these large wooden structures where they would put the, the mock-ups of the pages and they would have type coming out of machines and they would wax it and trim it and put design the pages mm -hmm. um, based on how the newsroom mapped them out um, downstairs. So George had worked in the composition department his whole career. He was, he was close to retirement in his 60s. And for some reason, he got fascinated by the whole pagination process. And he became the guy. He was the Mac guy. He knew mm. everything. And he taught himself. Right. And I always, I, whenever I'm frustrated trying to learn about something, particularly as I get older, I think about George. I'm like, I want to be George right? for the rest of my career. One of those people who is not afraid to try something new. My mother was like that. She got her first computer long before I did her first personal computer. Uh -huh. She taught herself. She was really good at it. Um, she loved stuff like that. So um, I've been very fortunate to, to live with you know, people like my parents and my dad was very good at building things and figuring things out and, you know, encountering people like George, but then also um, mentors along the way who have made it possible for me to receive training and opportunities. Um, so that's, that would be my word, words of wisdom to um, students listening to this is look for those people in your lives. And I hope that we, the faculty can be some of those people for you, but don't stop learning. Know that it doesn't, your degree is only the beginning. And, and I'm, I know my students are like, you say that to us all the time. I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> and there's a reason for it. Right. <laughs> so I'm not just blowing smoke here. Our next episode will be available on January 15th. This podcast is a property of the School of Communication and Journalism at South Dakota State University which reserves all rights to its use. Music by Cody M. Johnson and Tyler Addison James is licensed through AMP Music.